You're listening to a sermon from Oak Hill Fellowship Church, a local body of believers in Quarryville, PA. To learn more about Oak Hill, visit oakhillfellowship.com. Now grab a Bible and a notebook and prepare to be spiritually enriched by God's Word. We are going to open up God's Word for just a little bit here. Uh, You can open your Bibles to John chapter 20 if you have one. There are some Bibles in in the chairs if you can find one. If you don't have one, but we want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you. And we're going to be in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 21 today. Uh, As you're turning there, uh, let me just give you a a recap of where we've been in terms of our studies this year. Uh, A lot of times we have a lot of different sermon series throughout the year, and this year we've really only had two sermon series, right? Uh, One was in the Gospel of Mark, and we just kept going. We just went, we went spring, summer, fall, and then finished, right? And, and remember that the, the theme, the purpose of that was to conv- be convinced that now is the time to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now is the time to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I hope that that phrase was indelibly marked upon your brain because I repeated it every week for about 45 weeks. And, uh, and, and we wanted to get that into our brains, but also into our hearts. Uh, and then... Coming out of that Mark series, we started into Advent, and we, we talked about the reason for the season, and that's what we've been doing the past, uh, the past few uh, weeks, the past, since basically Thanksgiving. And uh, I did not have a short little sentence for that one, uh, but let me try to recap the entire series in one sentence. Here we go. In one sentence, Jesus came from heaven to earth, to provide the standard of God's judgment, thus fulfilling God's plan to call sinners and pay the ransom cost they owed for their sin, giving them light so that they could see the glory of God and so that God the Father would receive much glory through Him. There, it's a long sentence, but it's one sentence. And pretty much, it's the gospel, right? Aren't you glad I didn't repeat that sentence like every single week and make you repeat it back to me, right? But, but, but it, Jesus came to be and to work out the gospel, the good news. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate the incarnation. And so in this first sermon of 2023, uh, I want to tie all of that together as we look forward and head into a new year and think about where are we going next. In John chapter 20, Jesus has risen from the dead He is no longer talking about why he came into the world. Now he's talking about leaving the world and and now how he is going to be sending his disciples into the world. So if you look down in your Bibles at verse 21, it says this, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. John 20, 21. I'm sorry, I started in verse 20. That's why you're looking at me confused. Okay. I'm going to start again. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. As the Father has sent me, 
so I am sending you. Here's our big idea for today. Jesus came into the world to send us out into the world as his witnesses. Jesus came into the world to send us out into the world as his witnesses. Jesus sends us out to reflect his purpose and calling in our own purpose and calling. Our mission as a church comes directly out of Jesus' mission to the world. And so from these verses, I want us to briefly look at five principles for our mission that flow from Christ's incarnation. Five principles for our mission that flow from Christ's incarnation. And the first is this, our mission must flow from our own peace with God. Our mission must flow from our own peace with God. And I love what Lola said, and I love what Sarah said uh, about needing to be able to rest in what God is calling us to do, and not more and not less. Our mission must flow from our experience of peace with God. Jesus, before he commissions his disciples, says this, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And I don't think that that was just because they were seeing a guy who they had previously thought was dead, and now they're visibly seeing him for the first time. That's part of it, right? But it's not simply a statement to calm their fears in the moment. Rather, this is a statement of blessing to lay hold of all that is true because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peace can be with them because of what Jesus has just accomplished. Remember what we talked about. What did the angels say to the shepherds at his initial coming? Glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Mission necessitates that we first experience peace. The Greek is Irene. The Hebrew is shalom. It's wholeness. A whole right relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, with the rest of creation. We can't invite others into a party that we have not experienced ourselves. That, that we don't have a place at. Our experience of peace with God leads us to go in peace to others and to call them to peace with God. That's what this world needs, isn't it? That's what we all need in this next year is to experience that relationship of peace with God and then out of that to experience that relationship of healing and restoration and redemption that exists within His people. And our mission is not one of, of using people in order to earn our standing with God. That, that would be a mission that, that is trying to gain peace with God, right? And that's not, that's not why Jesus calls us and that's not why he sends us out. We're not earning our peace with God, right? Instead, our mission of calling people to, a peace, to peace with God comes from the peace that we have already experienced by his grace. Secondly, our, our mission must respond to Christ's commission to send us. Our mission must respond to Christ's commission to send us. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
There is a, a commission in that. There's a sending out. It's inherent. Jesus was sent from heaven to earth, and then Jesus will send his disciples out from, in their case, Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. There has to be a sending. There has to be a going, a leaving, a crossing of my own boundaries that I've placed in my life and where Jesus wants to send me, where he's calling me to. My mission must respond to Christ's commission to send me. And so let's just think about the, the mission that we have here at Oak Hill and how do we describe that, right? We describe that by, first of all, proclaiming Jesus. Let's say it together. Pro proclaim Jesus, equip servants, send witnesses to the glory of God. One more time. Proclaim Jesus, equip servants, send witnesses to the glory of God. And so it starts with proclaiming Jesus, right? And that might be you out in your sphere of influence proclaiming Jesus, but, but as a church, how do we purpose ourselves to do that? Here on Sunday mornings. We get Jesus to the top of the flagpole, right? We say, Christ, our hope in life and death. We say, what is my only hope? Christ. And he lives. And I am in him. Proclaim Jesus. And then we equip servants. Where have we primarily purposed ourselves to do that at Oak Hill? Within our gospel communities, right? Because we don't think of equipping merely as tasks to do, like I'm going to teach you how to do something. Equipping is learning how to grow and endure and abide in Christ as we go about His calling on our lives. That's equipping, and that happens in gospel communities. How are we called to live out the gospel together as a church? And then, out of that, we send witnesses. We send witnesses who, who point others to Jesus. And like I said earlier in the testimony time, uh, we, we send witnesses internally into the families of our church, right? And then externally into our local community and the entire world. And so Jesus has a calling on your life. We talk about this in relationship to our mission statement that, that, that the pathway of a disciple follows that, right? You, you receive the proclamation of Jesus. You become a believer. And then you get equipped. You get equipped in the foundational principles of the faith. You, you, you learn how to have a relationship with this God. You, you learn what his calling is on your life. But if you only ever stay there and you're never sent out, you're not growing as a disciple. That's exactly what Daniel said, right? He's like, he's like, how am I growing? And the answer was, the Lord is using me in my sphere of influence. The Lord is using me. That, that's how we grow. There comes a point where there, you, can, you, you won't continue growing in Bible studies and all of these things that are just fill me up, fill me up, fill me up, unless you start reproducing that in other people. So, our mission must respond to Christ's commission to send us. Third, our mission must take the posture of humble service. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Get that. The Father sent the Son. And we were talking about that all throughout the Christmas season, that, that this is a, a sending, a, a, a submission of the Son to the Father in role, not in value or 
or deity, right? That, that, that he willingly submitted himself to the Father to enter earth. The Son had to have this mindset that Paul describes in Philippians 2, 6-11. through 11. It's up on the screen for you. Uh, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That word means to be gripped onto with a death grip. He didn't have that equality with God in an iron-fisted claw. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the mindset of God the Son that led to the incarnation. The, the the, the mindset that led to what we just celebrated at Christmas. And it is the same mindset to which we are called as well. Paul set that whole verse up by saying, have this mind among you which is yours in Christ Jesus. You need to have that same mindset, the posture of humble service. We are called to serve one another. And we are called to sacrificially Take the gospel to the world. Know this, that, that mission will always require laying down our lives for the sake of someone else because that is the way of Jesus. Mission will always require laying down our lives, our rights, our preferences, our comfort for the sake of someone else because that is the way of Jesus. You will never participate in the mission of Jesus Christ if your priority is looking out for number one. You will never do it. Mission is always costly to any of our self-focused longings. Whether that is upending your schedule to, to go visit someone at the Aroma Care Connect ministry, or that's pushing past your insecurities in order to facilitate a, a Hope Explored or a Christianity Explored, gathering at Solanco Neighborhood Ministries, or whether that's doing work that you would normally get paid to do, but you're going to do it as a volunteer through Good Neighbors Home Repair Ministry. Or maybe it's simply being clear with a friend or a family member about your concern for their soul because they need a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's always going to involve you pushing past the pain line. Always. Because mission takes the form of humble service. That's the posture of Jesus on mission. As I have sent, as the Father has sent me, how did he do that? Through humble service. So I am sending you. Fourth, our mission requires we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit together. So that, this is where it kind of gets weird, right? Jesus <sighs> breathes on them. Some of you might be grossed out by that. <laughs> Jesus breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. What is happening here? Jesus is reminding them that their very life as disciples comes from the power 
of the Holy Spirit. He is to them as the very air that they breathe. In chapter 16, he told them that that there would be a time when he would no longer be with them, but that it was actually to their advantage that he could go away, because if he did not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, would not come to them. But if he did go away, he would send them the Holy Spirit. And so now he's again talking about this and, and, and demonstrating this in a, in a visible illustration. And then the Holy Spirit is going to come upon them at Pentecost just a few weeks later. But I want you to note this as well. It's easy to miss. He breathes on them together. He breathes on them together. You can assume that, that there were more than just the 12 in this room. The women were likely there. Definitely the two disciples whom he met on the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and another unnamed disciple were there. And so this is a, a mixed group, kind of similar to the 120 who were gathered on Pentecost who received the Holy Spirit. But notice what Jesus doesn't do here. He doesn't walk up to each individual person and breathe on them and say, receive the Holy Spirit. And he doesn't just walk up to the leaders, to the apostles, and say, receive the Holy Spirit. No, he illustrates the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon the whole church by breathing on all of them together. The, the church of Jesus Christ is empowered to move together by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit animates the parts of the whole body of Christ, even as he animates her individual parts. And so often, I think we, we think in our individualistic American culture, we just think about being indwelled by the Holy Spirit as individual believers. And we are. But there is so much more weight that the New Testament puts on how we operate together in the Spirit. Spiritual gifts, the one another's being filled with the Spirit for the building up of the body. It's for the body. It's for the church. Christ called this whole group of disciples together and then gave them the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit empowers Christ's body who is together, His witness. So the New Testament assumes, and I would dare even say demands, that we live out our faith in community with other believers. You can't actually make sense of the New Testament any other way. It's a bunch of letters written to whole churches. And, and there's so much in there about our relationship with one another. And so that's why we're going we're gonna to focus at the beginning of 2023 on our relationship with one another through a sermon series called One Another. Not so that we become an inward-focused church. Not so that we can leave all that stuff that we were talking about in the book of Mark. Now is the time to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not so that we can leave all of that, but so that this would be maximally healthy so that we have a platform from which to launch out into the world. That we would be a healthy body of Christ that is functioning properly and therefore, we would be able to call others to Jesus and invite them into Christ's family. 
That's also why we're going to be working through the Transform Mutual Care study in the gospel communities in the first part of the year. That's going to last a few months. It's going to be more of an in-depth dive into our our responsibilities to one another and and to the family of God. Again, we want to make sure that our gospel communities are healthy places in which we are growing in our relationship with Christ so that we're supported in telling others about Jesus. Our mission must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit as He works through the various parts of His body. Finally, our mission must requires that we proclaim the forgiveness of sin through repentance and faith in Jesus. It requires that we proclaim the forgiveness of sin through repentance and faith in Jesus. In John chapter 20, verse 23, Jesus continues and says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now that's a pretty hard sentence, right? What, what in the world are we to make of that? Like, we have the power to decide if God forgives people? Not exactly. Merrill Tenney writes that a literal translation could be, those whose sins you forgive have already been forgiven. And those whose sins you do not forgive have not been forgiven. In other words, here's what he's saying. Authority has been given to the church as a whole. Again, he's speaking to a whole group of believers. So we'd have really have this messed up if it was just any one of us individually, right? But he's, authority has been given to the church as a whole to rightly proclaim the standard by which salvation must occur. Repentance and faith. And then to recognize if it has occurred. That's baptism and then inclusion into the church through membership and church discipline. This is the same thing that Peter said in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then what happened after that? They were baptized and added to the number of the church. The mission is about calling people to a right relationship with God through the forgiveness of sin by repentance and faith. It's nothing more and it's nothing less. We are called to reveal the standard of God's holiness. We are called to highlight the depravity of all of our sinfulness. We're called to then proclaim the good news of Christ's sufficient work of grace in His death and resurrection. And then we're called to call all people to turn to Him in repentance and faith. That's the mission. And as they turn to Him, then we baptize them, we recognize the work of God in their lives, and we add them to the number of the church. And so we talked about this all throughout 2022. Now is the time. Now is the time to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that truth does not change just because we're done studying Mark or just because we turned the calendar to 2023. Now is still the time to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there are still plenty of people 
who do not truly know Jesus as the only Savior and Lord. And we must tell them. We must tell them. Jesus came into the world to send us out into the world as his witness. Thank you for listening to Oak Hill Fellowship Church. Stay connected with us by finding us on social media or by joining us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Until then, remember that you are loved.